Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. All right, today we're talking about can you hire and fire in a Christ-like manner? We talked on June 24th about can we hire in a Christ-like manner? We never got to the firing part. So today is part two, kind of weird, but sorry, a month later, we're talking about can you fire someone in a Christ-like manner? All right, let's talk about what Scripture says. When we're looking, let's do this transition. On the 24th of June, we talked about how can we hire in a Christ-like manner. We went through a big, long, detailed uh, how to hire somebody. And it's very important because if we hire right, we ended up not having to fire near as often. So... If you want to get the notes from that show on June 24th and the notes from today, all you need to do is email me at jim at iworkforhim.com, and I will send you my notes. These are not copyrighted notes. These are notes that I've gotten from all over the place and my experience in industry the last 27 years. So I, I feel free to share it because I think it may help you be inspired. All right. When Jesus was talking to the disciples in Matthew, verse, uh, chapter 22, verses 37 through 40, I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. He simplified a thousand pages of writing in two sentences. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's really what this is about today, loving your neighbor as yourself. The people that are, you're hiring, those are your neighbors. Those are the people that Jesus is talking about. And so we need to understand who our neighbor is, and we need to treat them like Christ would expect us to treat them, even though they may need firing. All right, an excerpt from a, a Christian Broadcasting Network article that I found on the Internet uh, on a Christian approach to firing employees. Here's the quote. In the Christian community, we all tend to be compassionate when it comes to firing people. And as a result, our businesses, our churches, our ministries, and other religious media organizations are filled with people who are unqualified, unenthusiastic, and costing us money, time, and momentum. Why? Because we just don't have a plan for hiring and firing. And so because we don't want to fire people because it appears discompassionate, I don't know if that's a word or not, but if it isn't, don't send me an email. We appear to be just bad people by firing people, so we just don't we don't fire them. So, all right, so what are, what are we here to talk about today? We're, here's the things that we hear from people when we say, hey, we're going to fire you. It, you know, here's what you hear from an employee that says, hey, you can't fire me. I thought this was a Christian company. Or, or we may respond to them, you know, God will always give you a second chance, but you've had your second chance with us. That's how we could respond. But nowhere in the scripture does it support the notion that it's sinful or even a poor witness for a Christian boss to fire a subordinate. It just isn't there. We need to take care of our businesses, and it's unfair to those that are working around the person that needs to be fired, uh, whether it's just that they just aren't a good fit for their job, or they're not doing their job, or they're just a, a, a negative egg. Any way, any way you look around it, we need to make sure that we've got a plan for firing people. But where does that plan for firing start? It starts with hiring. And that's why it's so important you'll review the notes from the June 24th show. You know, we need to manage well. And if we manage well, we'll rarely have to fire somebody. All right. So we need to hire for all the right reasons mentioned on the June 24th show. Okay, I've said that enough. June 24th show. If you need to find out about it, go back and listen to that show. On the first day of somebody's job, so that you can avoid hopefully firing them in the future, you need to set expectations for, for number one, performance. How much do we expect this person to produce? And let them know what the accountability will look like. Here's what's going to happen if you don't produce. And here's the questions I'm going to ask you on a daily basis to make sure that you're ready to go, that you're doing the job I'm hiring you to do. And the communication. It needs to be an open-door communication kind of policy. It needs to be regular. You need to be asking them questions. They need to have the opportunity to ask you questions. And you need to have scheduled meetings with your people that report to you and evaluate the metrics that you're holding them accountable for. You need to be sitting there talking to them about, where here's where you were last week, here's where you're this week. You're doing better, you're doing worse, but they need to get some feedback. People don't know how they are doing. They need to hear from their boss. You need to give feedback. And you need to give them concrete evidence. Give them those metrics. Hey, I expected you to produce 10 widgets this week. You only produce seven. You're not meeting the goal. I need you to amp it up a little bit. And you need to communicate your dissatisfactions clearly, concisely, and quickly. And you need to put them in writing. So Because you need to document their employee file, but it's communicating. You need to let them know, hey, I'm not real impressed with where you're doing so far, and so I need you to amp it up a little bit. In those first 90 days of an, having a new employee, those should be super intense days because you want to make sure 
that this employee that you've hired in the first 90 days is the employee that you thought you were hiring. You need to make sure that you are fleshing them out, whether they're a good fit or not. Because most of us put somebody on a 90-day probation when we hire them. Most of us say, hey, after 90 days, we'll reevaluate your position. We'll make sure that you're supposed to be here. And if you're supposed to be here, we can maybe give you another raise after 90 days. But you need to make sure it's intense. And in those first 90 days, you need to be learning from uh from evaluating this person and observing this person, those metrics that we talked about, the accountability that's out there. You need to study their habits, and you, you need to nip away the bad ones right away. You need to clip them short. You know, cut their wings. If they've got bad habits, let them know. Those are bad habits, not acceptable. Stop it right now. And you need, need to meet daily with these people at first. Here's the biggest cool thing about any one new person is they come into a business, and they're going to see things you haven't been able to see as a supervisor, manager, owner owner, you've been able to see those things because you go every day. These are new people. They're going to have observations that you're not going to be able to see. And so it's very important that you communicate with them daily and ask them for, for what they're seeing. Ask them for what they're experiencing. Uh, ask them for their perspective. Uh, and if they if they need if they see something that needs to be corrected, address it. And if you see something in them that needs corrected, you need to address it at once. And you need to encourage teamwork to allow the other people in the office a chance to really get to know the new hire and appreciate their skills. This needs to be a proactive thing. You need to be able to be working on building a team and and getting the interpersonal relationships with this new person started right away. And you may ask, why am I talking about hiring again? Because if you hire right, you don't have to fire near as often. And those first 90 days should be super duper intense. Learn by evaluating them and observing them. Give them accountability. Study their habits. Make sure you get rid of any bad ones or address any bad ones right away. Meet daily at first to encourage them and to get feedback from them because they're seeing things that you can't see because they're brand new looking at it. And if you see something that needs correction, address it at once. Don't ignore it. Don't be stupid. Don't ignore it. All right, try to encourage. That's right, I said stupid on the radio. I'm sorry about that. But you know what? It, we can't ignore things that need correcting in our people because if you let them go by, it's going to cause you all kinds of trouble. And try to encourage teamwork amongst your new with the new people, with your existing people. Do something. Take them all out to lunch or have a social somewhere where the new person can really get to know the, new, the existing people in your business. All right. Here's something I recommend, that you meet weekly with all your direct reports. And once you're in a rhythm, you, you, you got to be in a rhythm with your people. And meeting with them weekly, it keeps you from having trouble. You got to always know what's going on, and that's the best way to get a heartbeat on it. And you got to make sure your direct reports are meeting with their direct reports on a weekly basis. And you need to stay ahead of things with accountability and communication, always speaking the truth, but the truth in love. The more disconnected your people feel, the more ground you lose with them and the more chance you have of maybe someday down the road having to fire them. Do quarterly reviews. That's right, people in Florida. I said do reviews and not just annual, but do them quarterly. What I find in businesses that I run into all over Florida, all over Tampa Bay, people aren't doing reviews. They're not doing annual reviews and they're not doing quarterly reviews. How do your people know where they need to improve if you're not telling them? It's just so ridiculous. It's an obvious thing, but we skip it because it's difficult. But you need to do a review. And these annual reviews and the quarterly reviews, nothing Nothing should ever pop up on a review for an employee that you haven't already told them in one of your weekly meetings. There should never be any surprises on a review. They should already know. Because if there's a surprise on there, you're the one screwing up, not them. 
And those are harsh words, but it's the truth. If you're managing people and communicating people, their review should just be a regurgitation of what you've already communicated for them. If you can't hold accountable, you need to hold people accountable. And you can't hold somebody accountable for something that they don't know. You need to be able to communicate that. All right, because if you manage well, you rarely have to fire somebody. And all that's done by... All the stuff above that we just talked about is done to avoid firing somebody who's good and moldable. If you fail to manage, you are managing to intently fail somebody, to fire somebody. Those things up above have to do with people that are moldable. They're good people. But you can lose good people if you fail to manage them through communication and accountability and performance evaluations and discipline. You can lose good people because of your failure to manage. Discipline. Sometimes the best of people need discipline. I need discipline all the time. Never avoid discipline. Learn to communicate your expectations, your approvals, your disapprovals, and learn to do it clearly. And never let the sun go down on a problem without making a promise to handle that problem the next day. It's something you need to be intentional about. If you avoid something, it will come back to bite you in the rear end. You know, everyone deserves a second chance. Everyone does. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You get a, you get a second chance, but the second chance is sometimes where you need to draw the line. You ne- we need to extend grace where it's necessary to show the love of God, but that has to do with understanding the situation and making sure you have a chance to under, seek to understand what's going on and what's causing your employee to do what they're doing. All right. If discipline is necessary, make it formal. Put people on what I learned back in 1991 called a performance improvement plan. That's just putting somebody on probation, but they call it a nice thing called performance improvement plan. And just say, hey, here's where you're at today. I'm not happy with that. Here's where I want you to be. And in between those two places, we got a couple of weeks or a month or two months to get you from where you are today to where you need to be. We call that a performance improvement plan. Be specific. Ramp up your meetings with the with your employee that needs to improve their performance. Give them deadlines. Give them specific metrics, things that they can reach. Exactly what you're doing, you're looking for in terms of improvement. Give them exactly what they need to do. You must be direct or you're doing them a disservice both to them and to yourself if you're not direct and specific. And it's very important. If you manage somebody and they're not a good fit and you hold them accountable, through this process they'll normally find out and figure out for themselves that they're not a good fit. And they may even quit. But you need to put them, you need to get out of this employee what you're supposed to be doing, what you're supposed to be getting. If you end up losing them, and but they could be saved, you've lost time. If you end up losing a good employee, and, and and they could have been saved if you'd invested in them properly. You've lost a ton of time and you've wasted hundreds, maybe thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars, tens of thousands for sure, wasted money. None of that is glorifying to God and none of that is Christ-like. We need to be we need to be invested in our people. It's so important. You know, so and if we must terminate terminate somebody, it should be for performance, but it shouldn't shock them because you've already been warning them. It should be if it's for behavior, it shouldn't shock them because they've already been warned in a, in an evaluation. If it's for ethical issues, it should not shock them because they know what you stand for. That's important. If it's for an ethical issue that you have to fire somebody, it shouldn't shock them because they know what you stand for. And before you fire somebody, make sure you've covered it in prayer. Never do a knee-jerk firing of anybody. It's just not Christ-like at all. 
You know, a Christian manager should never fire somebody impetuously. They should never fire a subordinate without really doing the evaluation process. But never overlook every offense either. You've got to you've got to deal with stuff. It never works to ignore what you see going on around you. You know, I lived for four years in a small town in Minnesota. And what was sad is as I was meeting people in this small town, I said, well, you know, what about this person? Or what about this person? And they'd say, well, I don't talk to them anymore. And I said, well, how do you avoid somebody in a small town? Well, when they're walking down one side of the street, I walk down the other side of the street. I'm like, that is so sad. That's what happens, people, if you ignore something. Sometimes you just need to talk to somebody about an issue that you've got with them. They will appreciate it. So you need to avoid hasty decisions about firing and retaining an employee. You need to opt opt instead for a more time-consuming path of circumspection, circumspection and prudent reflection. In other words, slow down. You're moving too fast. You got to just take a look at what's going on and seek to understand what's going on. So you need to avoid hasty decisions and grace must envelop the process at every stage of this uncomfortable process. You know, in practice, this would mean the Christian manager should offer the employees opportunities to correct problems. That's what a performance improvement plan is. You need to evaluate whether the employee difficulties are really a function of poor management Because maybe they are. Maybe it's not them. Maybe they're just responding to your poor management. That needs to be fixed. And you need to consider assisting the employees who will be exited from the organization. If you're going to extend grace in this process, those are things we need to make sure we're dealing, that we're putting into this firing process. You need to consider that grace has to envelop the firing process to offer the, make sure you're offering an employee an opportunity to correct their problems. You need to evaluate what difficulties are, whether the difficulty they're having is a result of your poor management. And finally, if you're going to let somebody go, you need to consider assisting them, uh, somebody who will exit the organization. We'll get into that in a second. Occasionally, it will not only be appropriate, but actually advisable to drop an employee from your payroll. Fire them. I like to call it freeing their future. You're freeing their future. An individual who undermines one's leadership who arrogantly scorns others, who perpetually creates conflict, who's corrupt or cannot follow work rules, they're tantamount to dross. They're tantamount to garbage that just needs to be removed for the common good. You know, 1 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7 says, don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads throughout the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you'll be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. We need to take the time to remove the people that don't fit and get back to the people that do fit. It's so important. Proverbs 22.10 says, throw out the mocker and the fighting goes too. And we've all seen it in our offices. Quarrels and insults disappear the minute you get rid of the person that was churning and stirring the pot. It's so important that we deal with those issues. There's no sin in firing somebody, provided we followed through on lesson one and two, which was taking a chance to learn what's going on and making sure that we're evaluating, make sure it's not a management issue, why this person's struggling. God calls us to invest significant time and energy in this consequential decision, this consequential decision of changing somebody's life. We need, ju- we need to judiciously balance compassion and standards, both grace and law. Whenever we're considering firing someone and freeing their future, we need to consider what's 
going on in their lives. So again, the, the highlight of this last section is if you're firing somebody and it's for performance, it better not shock them because they should have been warned. If you're firing them for bad behavior, it shouldn't shock them because they've been warned. If you're firing them over ethical issues, it should not shock them because they know what you stand for. All right, let's just review a little bit. You know, the hiring somebody the hiring process is the most critical process that any business goes through because you can make or break a business by hiring the right people or the wrong people. And so it's a process you should take very, very seriously. And when you finally come to a conclusion, then you found the right person. And again, all that hiring stuff we talked about on June 24th, so make sure you listen to that show. But that first 90 days of having a new employee, it is the make or break time. It is. It should be very intense. Your attention to that person should be very specific. And you should be watching them and listening to them and listening to them and observing them and meeting with them daily to get feedback and giving them feedback. Your direct reports need to hear from you and they need to understand their expectations. It is so important. If you manage well, you'll rarely have to fire somebody. And, and, and we do all of those things to avoid firing somebody who's good and moldable. Because you can lose good people if you fail to manage them, if you don't hold them accountable, if you don't give them performance evaluations, if you don't discipline them when they screw up, if you don't communicate them with, on a regular basis, you're going to have to fire somebody because eventually they're going to get so far disconnected from you, they're not going to be usable anymore. So it is so important that you take those first 90 days very, very seriously. But here's the deal. If you're going to fire somebody, you got to make sure when you're doing when you're going to fire somebody you need to step back and make sure that if you're firing them for performance it better not shock them because they've been warned on a quarterly evaluation or an annual evaluation. If you're firing them for their behavior, whatever that may be, coming in late, leaving early, taking too long on lunch, just causing trouble by stirring the pot in the office, it better not shock them because you better have called them out about that before. They've been warned. Somewhere before, they've been warned many times. And if it's over an ethical issue, it should not shock them because you've warned them before. Because if they got an ethical issue, it should, it should not shock them because they know what you stand for. And they know that you would never stand for somebody compromising your ethical or moral standards of your business. And that's all about firing somebody in a Christ-like manner. We can't just throw somebody out the door without giving them a warning, without investing them. I mean, look at how many times Jesus gave the disciples a second and third and fourth and fifth chance. I mean, Peter, Peter, the guy that is called the rock of the church, the cornerstone of on, on the, the, I mean, the guy who really launched Christianity after Christ went back into heaven. Peter, the night that Jesus was being crucified, denied Christ three times. And Jesus had to have a sit down with him over some fish and said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep. And he said it to him three times, just to drive home the point, you deny me three times, I've asked you to confirm that you love me and that you're willing to give up fishing for fishing for men. And so it's so important. We need to follow that example, that Christ-like example of investing in our people. You know, when you're firing somebody, you better make sure that you have documented the process. You better make sure that you're familiar with the structures and the parameters of employment law, both the law of the state you live in 
in our case, Florida, and the law of the land that the government of the United States of America lays down. You need to be familiar. And you need to make sure that you're doing all of the above, all of those things, to make sure you're not guilty of violating some law. You'll be looking at them as Christ looks at them. If you hire them and you and evaluate them and warn them and document the process, you're not going to be guilty of violating some law because it's going to be based on performance and accountability and metrics and things like that. And when you fire somebody, you need to make sure that that meeting's in a private setting. Never fire somebody in a place where they could be humiliated by that setting. That's just so important. I've seen it done. It's embarrassing. Uh, make sure that the meeting is short and to the point. Criticism should be honest and factual. And you need to avoid subjective or unsupported con- conclusions. Arguing, arguing will only escalate an already intense situation. So permit the employee to vent without responding in any kind. Just take it. You know, Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. There's no reason to be having a yelling match with somebody that you're firing. You're hurting their feelings. You're scaring the living daylights out of them. They're, they know that they're losing their livelihood. You just need to let them vent. That's what Jesus would do. He would hug them. He wouldn't yell at them. You know, offer the employee the opportunity to resign instead of being fired. It's an opportunity to save face. Okay? Also looks better on their resume, especially when somebody's coming back and checking references on a future job. It's a good practice. This is something I learned as I was studying all this. It's a good practice to to dismiss somebody early in the week rather than later. Why? All right, because it keeps the employee from stewing all weekend long and reacting violently on Monday and going postal. You know, we've talked about that. Those employees, they've done a study, and the people that come back and react violently to being fired are the people that were fired on a Friday and that all weekend long to think about it. All right, it also allows the employee to tomorrow morning step up, seek new employment opportunities the very next day. It gets them a chance to get their mind off of their anger and get working on getting a new job. Now, and when you fire somebody, make sure you got your ducks in a row. Make sure you have all the information on the benefits available to the employee as they leave. Whether that's health insurance, severance pay if it's available, vacation time that they still need to get paid out on, unemployment claims. And yes, if you're firing somebody, they have the opportunity to collect unemployment. And that's okay. You know what? That's what it's there for. Uh, And so don't give them a hard time about filing for unemployment. Now, if they quit their job unannounced, then then don't argue with them. I mean, then you can argue with them. But you know, if they're if you lay them off or if you're firing them, you let them file unemployment. All right, offer a ray of light. That's what you're looking for in a very dark conversation. You're trying to show them that you care for them despite the fact that you're firing them. And, and that, you know, here here's here's some thoughts. Here's a way to offer light when it comes to letting somebody go. When, like I say, calling it freeing their future. When's it appropriate? When it is appropriate, provide severance pay for the employee to transition to another job in a financially seamless manner. That's a Christ-like thing to do. It's not always possible, but if you've been disciplining this employee and you know that this is coming, you know, give them a chance to, to, to provide for their family. That is a stretch for a company, but it's the right thing to do if you've got the opportunity to do it. And make sure you take into account the family's, the individual's family situation in the, both the decision to terminate and the size of the severance. Families are important. We hire employees that have husbands or wives. They have children. They may have extended family living with them. It's important that we understand that. Pay for professional. Consider paying for a professional outplacement firm to assist the employee in locating suitable work. 
Hook them up with a, a headhunter. Hook them up with a resume writer. Do what you can to help them find another job. You know what their good skills are. If you've been doing their eval- evaluation, if you've been holding them accountable, you know exactly what they're good at and exactly what they're not good at. And so you might even be able to counsel them a little bit. Draft a letter of recommendation and give it to them. Have it ready for them when you lay them when you fire them. Just because it's a bad fit for your organization doesn't mean that that person is a bad fit for all organizations. The point is that we should maintain a servant's heart in this process. Since our Christian Christ-like responsibility is to love our neighbors as ourselves, that doesn't mean that we terminate our relationship with that, that employee when we end their employment. You know, that's, again, just because you're giving them, uh, you're freeing their future, it doesn't mean that you need to end your relationship with them. They need to know that the relationship they've been investing in has a long-term benefit. All right. So, you know, that's all about letting somebody go that was a good person, but they just weren't a great fit for the organization. And for the most part, they, they got fired because they just didn't meet performance expectations or they, maybe their behavior wasn't right. Again, with just that verse, you love your neighbor as yourself. It's so important to understand. And as we're firing somebody, we need to put, it, put our thoughts through the firing filter. Which, you know, when I come back after a break, after the break, we're going to go through the firing filter. But it's so important that we make sure that in this process, we are treating them the way we would want to be treated. You know, we're not just cutting them off and booting them out the door. You still need to do it in a very proper manner. And you need to be direct. And you need to deal with it when you need to deal with it. But you need to make sure that you're treating them like a human being and not just like a piece of meat. They need to understand that you love them and that you have their best interests in mind. Because honestly, if you've taken them through this process of accountability and you've communicated with them all along and done evaluations and they still don't cut it, freeing their future, that's freeing with an F, freeing their future is the best thing you could do for that person. It is so important that we look at it that way. All right, so just a review. For those of you that are just tuning in, we started off with a verse, Matthew 22, of three, four verses, Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus had just gotten asked, hey, what are the, what's the most important law or what's the most important law? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. It's the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's so important. That's what this firing conversation is all about. Can you fire somebody in a Christ-like manner? Absolutely. If you treat them in love like you would like to be loved yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Treat them like you would want to be treated. All right. And the whole key to this process is if you want to avoid firing somebody, then you need to invest in your people. Do not hire somebody and plug them in a hole and walk away and hope for the best. Because if that's what you do, one out of a thousand are going to be successful. It just doesn't work that way. People need to know that they're valued. People need to understand what's expected of them. And so communication and accountability is so important. And let's just say you've got an employee that's got a few issues, got some things that they really need to work on. You need to do performance evaluations, and nothing on a performance evaluation should ever shock them. You should have communicated that to them before it happens. And and really, if you fire somebody, whether it's for uh, whether it's for behavior or whether it's for performance or whether it's ethical issues, it should never shock them. For performance and behavior, it shouldn't shock them if you fire them because they've been warned already. 
But if it's for ethical issues, it shouldn't shock them because they know what you stand for and who you stand for, Jesus Christ. They're not going to be shocked about this. All right, we talked about before the break that we have a firing filter. These are the questions that you need to ask before you fire somebody. Did this person know the rules and expectations? Because if they didn't, that's your screw-up, not theirs. Was improper training or some other management blunder the real culprit here? Again, points the finger back to you, not them. Because if you're not managing, if you're not communicating, if you're not giving them the accountability that they need, then it's your fault, not theirs. So you've got a chance to reinvest in that person. Ask yourself, have I really measured the person's performance accurately? Are you spending time with them? Here's a, here's a heartfelt question. Is my decision motivated too much by profit concerns or by my personal dislike of this employee? We need to make sure that they're right fit because if we, if we have a personal dislike for somebody, maybe we need to look at ourselves. Are we causing the issue with them? Have I considered the individual's family situation? Am I honoring God as boss and reflecting his face through my decision-making process? Spending more time on our people is just part of the deal if we truly intend to take God seriously in management. You know, our distinctive as Christians must be a humble willingness to invest time to balance discipline and forgiveness with our employees, to always seek God's way. That's different. You know, most often later when we're looking at it if we'd done all of the above if we look at this if if we had done all of these things up above these people will thank you if you fire them because they'll know it wasn't a good fit you know but let's just deal with one issue here or if we're firing somebody over an ethical issue here's the way it needs to be listen up it needs to be swift and it needs to be firm we can't tolerate unethical and immoral behavior in the workplace because our workplace reflects on christ you need to rectify the wrong even if it costs you and you still need to fire those people so if they've stole from a customer you need to rectify it even if it wasn't your fault you need to rectify the wrong you need to pray for this person you need to offer counseling and a path to learning for this person. Even though you're firing them, and even though it's for ethical issues, you need to pray with them. You need to offer counseling. Give them a chance. They need to know that your heart, they need to know your heart, even in firmness. They need to know the consequences for their sin, but in love, with grace and mercy as well. They need to learn from this situation, and they need to learn from this hurt so they'll avoid this pain in the future. And, and you need to abort a dismissal action if any of those things aren't true. All right, challenge questions for today. When you hire people, do you keep their best interests in mind? Have you ever fired somebody in anger? Do you need to apologize to them? Do you have a plan to make sure when you hire and fire, you remember that you, you may be the only Jesus these people will ever see? If these questions or today's topic find you desiring a deeper understanding of how God fits into your workplace, then... Check out Business His Way, a biblical mentoring process designed for you to learn how to follow our Lord in your workplace. Brought to you by C12 Tampa Bay and the I Work For Him show. For more information on Business His Way, give me an email, jim at iworkforhim.com. That's jim at iworkforhim.com. Next week on the I Work For Him show, we'll be talking with Oz Hillman, famous marketplace leaders leader,
And we're going to be talking about his book, The Upside of Adversity, and all kinds of other really cool stuff that's going on in Marketplace Ministry. That's ministry focused on the workplace. A final word about my advertisers. As part of my job with Platinum Information Services, I work with small business owners, providing a cost-effective and efficient solution for managing their computers. My clients often ask me for referrals to other quality vendors. That's who my sponsors are. People I trust, people you can trust. Look for the links to their company websites listed on my website, iWorkForHim.com and on WTIS1110.com. On the iWorkForHim website, you'll find all kinds of great resources, including the show and guest schedule, along with my weekly blog. I want to thank you for listening today and for listening to the conversation on Can We Hire and Fire in a Christ-like Manner? Please take time to like the I Work For Him show on Facebook. Just search for I Work, the number four, him. I Work For Him. Thanks to Mike Miracle for running the controls and keeping me on time. It's been a great conversation. If you're a business owner, if you're a supervisor, if you hire and fire people, make sure you get the notes from today's show. It's so important that we treat people as we would want to be treated. We need to love our neighbors as ourselves. You've been listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I am a Christ follower. I own my own business, and I'm also an employee. I don't know about you, Tampa Bay, but I work for him.